Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. But most of you wanted this team to lose on Saturday anyway. The thing that you did not want is this team to lose in the fashion in which this team did. That is a product of where this organization is right now. That's a product of what has been. People want to talk about the most embarrassing season in the history of Jim Irsay running things. I've been around here since 1984. I can tell you as good as anybody exactly what's been good, what's been bad, what's been horrific. I've lived it all. And there were zero expectations back when you had a one-win season, back when you had a three-win season, back when it was Lord help our Colts or no trim until the Colts win, all that stuff I lived through. Most of us, if you're around here and you're old enough, you live through it. But it was never this embarrassing. The reason being, back then, there was not that level of expectations that you had this year. And I know by the time that game rolled around on Saturday that you no longer had those expectations, but that doesn't matter. This is their product right now, and this product has been created by the owner. And as much as I've always liked Jim Ursay, this starts with him. It starts with him. Now, we're also going to get at others that are a part of it, and we'll do that coming up in just a minute. But it starts with him. That's where you go. You go for that beginning, and that's where you go where this team, this organization, and where you view it right now, that's exactly where it is. The most embarrassing season in the history of this Indianapolis franchise. I don't give a crap what happened in Baltimore. Some of those clowns still do, I don't. I guess sometimes the Colts will still recognize what went on previous to 1984, but I don't care. All I care about what's happened here since the team got here, whereas when they had bad season back in the 80s, all right, it was kind of a laugh. It was a joke. It was a punchline. But you guys weren't all invested even back then. There were no... Pre-game tailgates, there was no tailgating going on. You kind of rolled up five minutes before the kick and then rolled out five minutes prior to the end of the game. There was no pride. You didn't know. You didn't know what you were getting into. You were just happy you had a football team. You were happy you had an NFL team. You know, then once the Manning era got here, once Polian, Manning, and Dungey put together this product that we like to reference as the golden era, and certainly Jim Mercer does as well, then you understood exactly what it felt like to be an NFL franchise, to be a part of it, to be a part of winning, to be a part of something special. This is... A very familiar feeling this season as the way that it was. And you've got to change it. You have got to change it because people 
people are going to bail. I know all it takes is for this team to win again. But listen, I don't have a watch on right now. We look at the time. When's that going to be? You know, they told us year after year, here comes the winning. Here's what to expect. This is a season in which the AFC South arguably, I don't even know if there's an argument here, is the most winnable in the history of the division. The most winnable. And I know mathematically speaking, they're still, but come on, that's it. And honestly, the way Tennessee is playing and the way that Jacksonville is turning it on makes this Colts effort look even more embarrassing. Because again, nothing has been more winnable this season now than the AFC South. By way, the Titans are playing, and now you see the Jaguars really giving themselves a final three-week opportunity at this thing. And good for them. You get rid of a clown head coach, you bring somebody that's serious. You bring in somebody that's not sitting on the bar with chicks on his lap. All right, you get something going down there. You know, you get rid of a jackass, bring in some guy that's won a Super Bowl. That's what you do. Now, how does that equate to where Jacksonville is and where they're going right now to where Tennessee is and where they're going right now and where the Colts need to be in the AFC South? I'll tell you, I was watching this game on Saturday. And as much as I knew that a lot of people were going to be happy with the result, by means in which you get there, is and should be absolutely unacceptable. You cannot accept this. You accept this, you accept this level, and that becomes, that becomes what you get. And we're all too familiar with it now. You know, my voice is kind of reminiscent of where we all are as far as this team is concerned. We're just kind of sick and tired of talking about it and then sick and tired of hearing about it. But maybe worse yet, what we really are, we're sick and tired of sitting around and expecting that second half. That's the worst thing out of all of it. They're up 33 to nothing at the half. How many of you out there honestly thought, hey, this thing's not put in the freezer yet. This thing's far from over. How many of you thought that the Vikings would make this a legitimate game in the second half? Just like how many of you waited prior to the bye week, that fourth quarter that came in Dallas? That's the problem that you have. The level of play in which we now know with this team we're used to. We get used to it. We get used to it. It just becomes an everyday thing. And you get tired of it. And I don't blame you. The other thing that occurred to me on Saturday, when all of this was done, and when everybody was laughing, when everybody was joking about this franchise, when everybody was using the Colts as a punchline, the thing that occurred to me is what I've been saying all along. If you really, if you're Jim Irsay, wanted Jeff Saturday to return why would you do what you did? Because there is absolutely zero way now that Jeff Saturday can return as the head coach. Zero. 
Well, it's not all his fault. Of course, it's not all his fault. But just like anybody else that would have taken over for Frank Reich, you were going to get these same results, and they were going to be stained with these results. Yeah, maybe deep down inside, Bubba Ventrone didn't want the gig. Maybe he knew what was going to happen. Maybe he knew that this team is what it is and didn't want to be a part of it. I doubt it, but maybe. If you were the owner and you're stepping in constantly, whether it was to play Sam Ellinger or was to go out after a former center ring of honor guy that you trust a great deal that was broadcasting on ESPN. You look back on all these ill-fated decisions and from there on out, what has happened to this team falls on the shoulders of the interim head coach. And it was all going to happen anyway. And it was all going to happen anyway because of these two things. One is the quarterback can no longer play. Now, he probably will. I'm not saying he won't go out there and play, but he can no longer play. That was one of the worst efforts of what is going to be a future Hall of Fame quarterback that anybody will ever see on Saturday. 19 of 33, 182 yards, one touchdown, very little done offensively. Think about that lack of resistance in the second half. They put up three stinking points. Three. He probably will keep with the gig, I would imagine. Maybe he won't. Who knows? I don't have an answer there. I can't imagine it's going to be Nick Foles because Nick Foles hasn't played all year. Why would you play him now? You know, Ellinger was inactive last week. So he probably will continue to play. Jeff Saturday wants to win games. When you get to that point in the game and you're playing that well, you need to win that game. I know that it was going to be detrimental to the drafting order of this team. But you cannot go down the tubes like that. The second part of this is, and in all likelihood, he's going to be back. I have no idea, and I mean no idea in the world, how you bring Chris Ballard back for a seventh year. I don't know how in the world you bring Chris Ballard back with his philosophy, with his blueprint, with his path to success that has absolutely blown up in everybody's face. Uh, you can say what you want about the quarterback situation. Go all the way back to luck. Uh, we're done talking about that. You can go all the way back there if you want. But these have been bad decisions. This team has been faultily put together. This does not work. This offense is awful. And it starts at the quarterback. But this offense, even beyond that, is awful. How in the world can you bring him back for a seventh year? Is there nobody else out there you feel is qualified? How much trust would you have in bringing him back? And why would that trust be there? Why would you put any trust whatsoever in that? That's what's amazing to me. And I saw the latest from The Athletic and Zach Kiefer and what he was talking about, you know, regarding Jim Mercer and comments. 
I'm sure, as Jim has proven this year especially, that his mind can be changed. But of all the things that I believe are going to go away, to me, the general manager going into next year is the least of them. But the general manager going into next year has been the most significant issue. I don't know how you sell that to fans. I have no idea how you sell that to fans. I wish I did for you, but I don't. But this all starts at his doorstep. It just hasn't worked, and it's not going to work. And I'm not even going to use against him the comments he made when he first got here is you can't be about one guy alluding back then to a quarterback, you know, an elite-level quarterback that you already had. I'm not even going to go back to that, which is silly beyond belief, knowing this world of the NFL and knowing that that is going to be what you're in charge of when you're brought back for a seventh year. You're going to be in charge of making that selection of the next quarterback. I guess on the bright side of all this, they lost on Saturday, which did certainly put the focus in in a positive light of their draft order where they're moving up, and when you look at this team, anybody believe that they're going to win another game? They're going to win at home on Monday night against the Chargers. They get a chance on the road against the Giants. Did you guys watch the Texans yesterday? The Texans played with some fire. Actually, the last two weeks when you think about it, on the road in Dallas and then at home against the Chiefs yesterday. You know, we thought that that was going to be a walkover at the end of the year, and not so much now. So they very well could lose out. Lose out and be a front runner, at least close to a front runner for one of the three. Bryce Young, probably not. Uh, but certainly one of the three, whether it's, you know, C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, whomever. If that's who they like, you're probably going to get up to at least have a shot, you would think, at two of those three. People have asked me this, was that just the Colts being the Colts or was that a tank job? You can't tank a tank job like that. They are not tanking. They played. They played well in the first half. Offense really didn't, but they as a team played well in the first half. They still want to win games. They still expect to win games. The problem that you have is even worse. That is the type of team that they are. I don't know if they gave up in the second half. I couldn't tell if they gave up. I can't gauge that. Others suggest they can by the eyeball test. I'm just not one of them. I just saw them making a myriad of mistakes. A lot of people point the finger at Jeff Saturday. You know, the five consecutive runs. What was that before? I believe before the half. That when it was the five consecutive runs or forget people had brought that to my attention. And the easy answer for me regarding that is this. You have zero trust in your quarterback. None. You can't mix in the throw there. You don't want to mix in the throw there. I actually had a video of a third quarter throw of Matt Ryan that was an absolute wounded duck. Went up. And it fell like five yards short of Michael Pittman Jr. 
And by the way, the quarterback can't get it done. The rest of the offense can't. Michael Pittman Jr. still has a ball security issue. This offense in general still has a ball security issue. They do call some inexplicable plays, but inexplicably, they have a guy that's never called plays before. And Parks Frazier calling those inexplicably called plays. So, kind of makes sense. This season has been an absolute disaster, but even worse than that, it has been the worst embarrassment that this organization has seen since been here. It just has. People were asking me, all right, what, was, what would be close to worse? I go back to 2001. We bring this up all the time, the whole Jay Moore, Bill Polian thing when I was on the other station. But Edger and James had a season-ending injury. That thing went down the toilet. and went down the toilet pretty quick. But at least you can look at that as an injury situation that was not near the level of embarrassment that this was. Here's what you have to hope for, Colts fans, and I'm not suggesting at all there's an opportunity for this. In fact, I would absolutely tell you that there is zero opportunity. But I guess since you're hoping, and you're hoping for a lot of things, if you're hoping for this, you're hoping that Jim Harbaugh and Michigan run the table in the national championship, and maybe Jim Harbaugh thinks that he needs, he needs to take care of business in the NFL. I'm, listen, that's a pipe dream, right? That's grasping at straws. I think, again, though, that is one person that everybody here would be on board with, with a belief that they could turn something around if you finally bite that bullet, which they have to do, and draft a quarterback, that that would be the guy to lead. Again, I'm going to tell you, make it clear, that's not going to happen. I don't see that happening. But since we're dealing with a lot of hope with this team there is no doubt that that would be the best-case scenario. There's no way you can bring back Jeff Saturday. Now, as an advisor, maybe he's on the staff, maybe he wants to do that. And the reason why you can't bring back Jeff Saturday is the reason that I've talked about the entirety of the time since he was hired on an interim basis. If you wanted really for him to be the guy in the future, and like Mike Chappell and I disagreed on this last Thursday. He said, well, that'd be an even harder sell in the offseason. I say BS. No, you sell that in the offseason. We debate about it in the offseason. And then you give it an offseason to learn things. You give him more than 48-plus hours to get his feet underneath him if you think he really is the guy and you don't want, in your opinion, in your opinion, for him to be unfairly judged. Because right now, he looks exactly like Frank Reich did. And Frank Reich would have looked the same. Anybody on that staff would have looked the same. That is where we are. But simply put, that was the most, this has been the most embarrassing season in Colts history right here. And somebody, I don't know who it's going to be. Because the owner has been the largest problem in it. Somebody I like a great deal, but that's just the way that it is. Somebody's got to step in, take over the reins on this thing, and then the owner has to slide back, do music, be philanthropic. If you want to lead by 
example, if you want to lead by vocally, as far as the NFL owners are concerned, do that. But when you get your football people in place, let them do the football things. And then really do question if your football person after six years is having this type of season, question whether or not he still should remain your football guy. Or maybe better yet, why should he remain your football guy? And then put the pieces in place that you like and then move out of the way. Let the football players do it. Let the football people do it. And there is no doubt the way this division is going at the end of this year, just how ridiculously, awfully wide open it is, is even more of an embarrassment, even more of an indictment of where this team is right now. It is a problem for everybody. And it is a problem without your, your ask about the whole bright light, you know, ray of hope, any of that bull crap, right? Where is it? Where is it with this team? For periods of time, it was the defense. The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed in that second half on Saturday. So where is it? Offense, no. Offensive line, no. Running game, no. But we'll get to Jonathan Taylor a little bit later on. They say likely will be done for the season. Absolutely should be done for the season. Then you have to evaluate what he has gone through and what his value is going to be moving forward. Got a lot of other teams around that really don't value the running back position like the Colts do. And that's something I would want to know. If you do seriously plan on keeping Chris Ballard around, is anything going to change? Or are you just going to continue on this treadmill of well below mediocrity? Is your vision, your blueprint going to miss by that much? No, oh, a lot of time. We got a lot of stuff to talk to. Stephen Holder's going to join us coming up from ESPN.com. He's in the 5 o'clock hour. Jake Query, the morning show, is going to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Buffalo Wild Wings, we are in Franklin today off of US 31. Great food. I've got ice cold Bud Light for you. I feel fantastic. I had laryngitis yesterday, and I'm trying to work back from that. So I apologize, sounding like I'm a cross between Lou Brown and Marge Schott. I did not smoke a carton of cigarettes out in the car before I rolled in here. I promise you that. But I had laryngitis yesterday, and it's kind of working. It's Oddly enough, it's working its way back right now. It doesn't hurt. It not, does not pain me to do this. It just kind of sounds like this, which sucks. But I know that there's certainly a lot of people out there that are ill and right now, and I'm with you. I'm just not one of them. Yeah, I don't know where this whole Lou Brown Marge shot thing came from, but that's exactly where I am right now. All right, we can hit that if you like. We can talk about IU. Uh, if the Colts weren't enough on Saturday, then there's IU basketball. I would say this. Regarding IU basketball, everybody gets way too ahead of themselves. You think about the way this team started, and you have people suggesting that they're the best team in the country, and Trace Jackson Davis is the best player in the country, and this is their big turnaround. Everything's going to be great. The thing that I have talked about with this team is certainly they should have a level of depth, 
but there was no promises that the major issue they've had over the years shooting was going to be there. No promises whatsoever that defenses can't do what they're doing. And I, I do agree. You look at the coaching staff and you just have to be better. They all have to be better. You can't go to Allen Fieldhouse, tough place to play, don't get me wrong, and look that in shambles. I mean, you talk about getting your manhood taken away. I'm sure Kansas, a much better basketball team, difficult environment, all that crap. But if you think about it, the only resistance they did show was early in the second half when they uh, cut that lead down to 10. That was it. That was all the resistance. And there has to be more. People expect more. People thought they had more. And now after Arizona and Kansas, I think now more of the realization is, yeah, there's still a lot of work to do with this. Now, we'll say, lucky for them, there's still a lot of time to do a lot of work, and other teams likely are going to fall victim to some of these similar circumstances. Let's face it, college basketball is fun. You just don't know what you're going to get. It's like the NFL as well. You don't know what you're going to eat. Yesterday was wild as hell. You don't know what you're going to get. But what we're getting from this IU team against some of the better teams in the nation, don't expect them to turn the ball over 24 times. Don't expect them to get drilled against Kansas on the road. Expect them to be better. But don't think out of the gate in November that this is a national championship contender because they haven't been that in a long time. And it's just not going to magically happen. And they still have shortcomings that have yet to be proven fixed. And they still have a coaching staff that's yet to prove anything. All right, so you go to Dayton and you beat Wyoming, and then you get DePants by St. Mary's in Portland. There's still so much to prove there. It was not going to be this easy. And as you've seen over the past couple of weeks, it's certainly not going to be. So we can hit IU if you like. Pacers a loser. You know, what's funny going back to Friday, I thought the Pacers played their best game of the season up until the final three or so minutes of the fourth. And really, same way, late in the fourth quarter, yesterday, losing to the Knicks. They did that on Friday night in Cleveland. We'll dive into that as well. Boilermakers remain unbeaten. They beat Davidson. We got a lot to get to, and I want to take a break. I want to come back and line up some calls. I want to hear what you have to say about the level of disappointment you have. When the anger turns in to laughing and then saying, screw it, I'm going to watch something else, that's when you have a problem if you're the Colts. They have a problem. Live at the Buffalo Wild Wings, we're in Franklin today. We're here with our friends uh, Bud Light as well. Ice Cold Bud Light is going to be on hand. Great food. Monday night football. That's going to be worthy for Colts fans to watch as well. we got a lot to talk about today. Jake Query, Stephen Holder, and more. Thank you, Skylar Wood, for being the engineer, the step-in today. Zach is here as well. Kyle is back in the studio. Happy holidays to you. We'll come back, load up the calls inside the lounge via YouTube Live. We've got the stream, the app, HD Radio, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
The Ride with JMV. What did you say? I said we need a water break. You need a water break. Water is for cowards. Water makes you weak. Water is for washing blood off that uniform, and you don't get no blood on my uniform. Boy, you must be outside your mind. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Alexander Madison now in the back behind Kirk Cousins. It is first and 10 to the 41-yard line after the penalty. Rolling out right, taking a shot downfield. No one is there, and the Colts have an interception. It is Rodney Thomas. A horrible throw by Kirk Cousins on the throwback, and it's Rodney Thomas, the rookie out of Yale, getting his second interception this season. It's um, Matt Taylor right there. And Joe Wright, you know what's funny about that play was Jalen Rager was the wide receiver, and he kind of stopped, stopped his route, as they explained on the television broadcast, and Kirk Cousins threw it right to Thomas. Joe Wright was on the call along with Matt Taylor on the Colts Radio Network. Hey, it's me, JMV. We're live in Franklin today here on what is a Blue Monday with Buffalo Wild Wings. Again, this reminder, I am not, thank you guys for joining us, too. I am not sick. There is no sickness whatsoever. I lost my voice yesterday. I, yesterday afternoon, I went up to Joe's Grill and did their uh, charity chili cook-off, which was outstanding to raise money for Peyton Manning's Children's Hospital. And I got back home, and I just completely lost my voice. And I'll give you a little background. I'll get to the calls coming up in just a second. So I knew I was going to go on Tony Katz's show this morning with Craig Collins, who was the co-host as Tony's on vacation. And I got up at 6 in the morning before I went on at 8 to try to work because I knew that um, it was going to be messed up. And this is as good as I can do so far today. This is as good as it has been in the past 24 hours. And I feel great. I hooped. I mean, I feel fantastic. So I don't know what it is about the laryngitis, but hopefully you can hang with the Lou Brown, Marge Shot combination here. Or if you're a huge fan of the 1990s of Pharrell on the bench, this is going to give you a little bit of a throwback right here because that's exactly how I sound today. I would love to see you at the Franklin Buffalo Wild Wings. That's US 31 in Franklin. A great place, great food, ice cold beverages for you. Join us. All right, 239 1070 is the number. Email address is jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Love to see you guys in there as well. Thank you for joining us. And Jonathan is going to start the show out today. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Hello. Good afternoon. Um, I'm doing fairly well. Um, I was wondering about Sweet. Carly Carly Ursay with the headset yeah. and the clipboard. I don't know if you would yes. know this, but maybe she's being groomed to be the next GM to replace Chris Ballard. Uh, not the next GM, but she's going to be the one. I, to me, and this is my opinion, um, over the other two girls will probably be the center point of ownership of the franchise when Jim Irsay no longer is doing it. That's why she's doing that. Okay. Uh, so I didn't know. That, that makes sense. That's why she's doing that, yeah. She just, she's trying to, learn, trying to learn more about you know, what goes on, not just on the day-to-day but what goes on in the in-game situation. She's trying to get us up close and, you know, get that tutoring as, as possible. That's why you see her doing that. Oh, I, I see. I, I didn't know if that was something that was going to happen next year. That would make mm. a lot of us happy, including myself. But. Well, I don't think it's, uh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen as long as um, Jim's around. So that, to that level, to that level, it won't happen okay. as long as, as Jim is around. 
Uh, okay, so that doesn't that didn't tear me up in terms of her replacing Ballard. I thought that might have been a good idea, but no, anyway, no, no, yeah, no, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, anything else, Jordan? Anything else? Uh, uh, Bryce Young looks pretty good right now. I guess that's the only other thing I had on my mind. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're not going to get that far up there. I don't. Th- they're not going to get that far to get him, but no, I, I think, think they're going to have I, at the end of the year. Already, Jordan, at the end of the year, they're going to have I think more options than what we once thought. Because honestly they may end up losing the rest of them now, the way this thing is going to look. So it wouldn't be surprising, right. even that Houston game. So I think a lot of the people who wanted to see them lose out may very well get their wish. Anything else? If, if we slip up and win, we could trade for Jordan Love, but I don't know if that'd be a great idea either. I just think it depends yeah, I, a lot I think they're going to – I think that, I, unfortunately, Jordan, thanks for the call. I think Chris Ballard, Chris Ballard is going to be here. Um. Uh, again, wouldn't be my call, but I think he's going to be here, and I think their choice is going to be to draft a quarterback. And then when you think about Chris Ballard, if Chris Ballard drafts a quarterback, then he's going to have another year after next year. So get ready for that. Get ready for that. I'm not 100% anti-Ballard. What I am, though, is a realist. And after six years, to me, enough is enough. It's like, I like Jeff Saturday. But as far as being the next head coach, enough is enough. It's not going to happen. Matt Ryan, enough is enough. But of those three circumstances, the one I think that is going to prevail with their present position is going to be the general manager. I know. I need that emoji right here. The hands up, the arms up emoji. And thank you, Greg. I am not going through puberty. (laughs) My voice does kind of sound like I'm going through puberty. I might have to do the Brady Bunch song when it's time to change for you in just a second. Uh, Again, I apologize for the voice, though. I have nothing to do with it. There's no sickness, no ill. I'm not putting people and their good health in jeopardy. I had laryngitis late yesterday, and this is as good as I can get it by 3 o'clock. And believe me, I was at home this morning working my ass off to try to get this back. And Allison from WIBC can tell you because I was up working before they called me this morning saying, I'm trying. I'm trying to get this back. And this is as good as I could get it for you. Sorry about that. Daryl's up next. 239-1070. Hello, Daryl. How are you? Hey, good, brother. How are you doing? First of all, happy belated birthday. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Very kind of you. And you got to lay off the Marlboros. It's just not doing your voice. (laughs) I know, man. Well, you know, I can only only cut down to a carton a day. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) Mr. Ursa, if if he brings back this general manager... Yeah. I mean, what's he going to do to change to change things? I mean, exactly. He took years to bring a winner out there, and he hasn't yes. done it. I mean, no, you're right. And, 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 and Colts fans have to realize that whoever they bring in, they're not going to be able to change this thing overnight. You know, it, it's just not going to happen. So, no, yeah, it, it's I, it's, it, it's terrible. I mean, Daryl, I had, I had said this, that if this Ballard, if this Ballard thing didn't work, you know, the building, the way that he has built it, that it was going to set this franchise back a couple of years. 
Um, and that's exactly what it has done. And we can blame, we can put a lion's share of the blame on the quarterback play. There's no doubt about it. But his build, both sides of the football, what he wants to do compared to what other teams are doing and trying to do in this modern era, the NFL, what he has put together simply has not worked. I know that. You know that. That's what we see. I'm just, again, not sure that that's what the owner sees. It's terrible. I mean, I. I knew something was going to change. I put money on the money line on the Vikings plus 4,000 on Saturday. Yep. You don't want to know why? Because you know this team. And that's the sad part about it. That's what people, and Daryl, thank you for the call, man. Call again. That's what people expect out of this team now. That was you. That was you. That was you. That was you. As Colts fans watching that game or listening to that game on Saturday, you waited for this. Why? Because that's what you expect from this. They lost the game. That's great for their draft status. They lost that game is detrimental to their reputation. Because that is becoming their reputation. A punchline and a punchline that's going to hang over their head for a number of years. Until somebody else screws around and gags up a lead of that capacity. I'm assuming that won't happen every day. But you just sit around and you wait on it. And it happened. Rob, before the break at 239-1070. Hello, Rob. JMB, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm great, Rob. Go ahead. I'm not a doctor, but uh, I've been attempting to sing for 60 years. And uh, and some would argue that I'm successful at it. Uh, know your pain of your voice. And a couple of tricks I've learned over the years. Massage okay. your throat with your hand. I know it's uh, it sounds weird, but but do it. Right. Massage your throat, trying to get it to relax. Gargle with warm salt water. Yeah. Um, honey, hot, hot tea with honey. You do that? I stuff. did that. Yeah, yeah I did that. Yep. Uh, and and just keep alternating with that, but uh, but the massaging part is not a lot of people do that. But but I've blown out my voice several times over the years. But 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 that massaging that throat helps, and and uh, and the salt water. I don't know. Have you done the salt water? I have done the salt water before. I haven't done it this time. I did lemon and honey. And I, yeah. I even stuffed cough, cough drops in hot boiling water and did that. I did everything because, <laughs> hey, Rob, my voice, my voice this morning was gone. Like late last yeah. night of this morning, it was gone. And I, I, I worked it enough to at least get it to this point right here. So that's. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, I'm going to give you big props for manning up and going through with the show. The show must go on whether you can talk or not. And I've, I've been there. You know what I do uh, when I can't talk and it's time What's to that? go up and sing? I go up and do What's it. That? I go up and sound yeah. like crap, but the show goes on, brother. It does, man. No doubt about yeah. that, Rob. Thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Hey, this is an interesting perspective I want to get to on the other side with you. So I maintain that it's going to be longer, even longer, from where they are right now to where they're going to be decent is the word used here again. But I think this is an interesting point. JMV, I've come to the conclusion for myself that this team is not that far away. 
They need to fix quarterback, and when they do, that will be decent, or that will make them decent almost immediately. Now, I am not in that particular camp, but I will tell you on the other side why you could draw that conclusion and why that would make sense. You're going to say I'm crazy right now, but I'll tell you why coming up on the other side. I'm not trying to be Mike Greenberg with a tease here, but that just kind of struck me as an area in which we need to discuss. We'll do so coming up on the other side, live in Franklin, US 31. We're in Franklin at the Buffalo Wild Wings today on a blue Monday. We've got tickets to give away and more still to come. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I want savages on the field. I want to lead the league in broken ribs. I want to put people in the hospital legally. No hitting in the head. I want them to cry and be scared to play us. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Dallas Flowers back deep to receive, and the Colts block a punt. It's hanging in the air. The Colts pick it up. House down the far sideline, the 10, the 5, a touchdown for the Colts. How about it? Indianapolis scores on a block punt with JoJo Doman. That's the first special team score this year for Bubba Ventrone's unit, and the Colts lead it 9 to nothing. Matt Taylor right there, the voice of the Colts. That's when things were going well. That's when you were feeling good. Now, there was the other side of the coin where if you want to see this team lose out because you want to better that draft position, then you didn't like it. And you probably did like the result. The problem with the result this past Saturday was there came with a monumental load of embarrassment. I understand losing and that, and I, and I hate this too. I, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of talking about blowing things up. If I have to hear run this back or don't run this back one more time, I want to puke. I'm sick of it. Absolutely sick of it. But in terms of trying to find your long-term future quarterback and not some old-ass Band-Aid, losing is the best choice here. Wasn't even a choice on Saturday. That's just what this team is. That second half is this team. That first half can also be that team. They're a mess. Schizophrenia. As far as playing on the field, they're an absolute mess. The largest comeback in the history of the NFL. And what did they do? Kirk Cousins and the Vikings against the Colts, a team that fired Frank Reich earlier in the season, who, with the Buffalo Bills, held that honor. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You cannot make it up. The biggest problem this team is going to have between themselves and you, the fan base, is this is what you expect. This is what you expect from them. And I know, I know, all it's going to take is some winning. All it's going to take for your belief to return is some winning. Now, I may differ from you. You may think that things can come back in a big hurry. If they get that quarterback, that's okay. I'm not quite in that believable category. 
I just don't know why in the world you bring back the general manager after six years. I don't know how you justify that. Justify that in the eyes of anybody. To me, there's no way that Jeff Saturday moves forward as a head coach of any kind next year. And as far as the quarterback is concerned, I mean, come on. The thing that stood out on Saturday is that the offense is still dreadful. Still dreadful. And so is their quarterback. So that's the one thing, honestly, that you think that they're going to address, they're going to be able to address because of losing. Losing like that. But not in embarrassing the reputation type of fashion in which they did on Saturday. Uh, live at Buffalo Wild Wings, we're in Franklin. I'm looking for you. I've got tickets to give away. I've got an autographed helmet to give away. We've got ice-cold Bud Light for you as well. Great food. Monday night are with the Rams. And the Packers matchup is going to be interesting for draft status for Colts fans. See, I even hate doing that. I do. I just, I am. I'm worn out. At some point, I want to see a team win. So thank you, Purdue, for winning because you're the only team that's doing it. And I'm not mad at the Pacers for losing. What the Pacers are doing right now, or at least what they have done most recently, is just be who they are. Tougher schedule, tougher teams. They were not as good as when they started, or let me check that, not as good as they were prior to leaving on that seven-game Western road swing. I think we can all understand that. But, you know, regarding expectations, it's the talk about the Colts and what they're supposed to be and what they're not. It's like IU basketball, what they're supposed to be and what they're not. And at some point, you're going to back that up. These two teams seemingly don't, haven't. So much talk about their greatness. So much reality never lived up to with both. And with that and more, we'll bring on board co-host of the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday mornings here on The Fan, 7 until 10 a.m. It is Jake Query with us. So how close am I to sounding like I'm somewhere in the middle of this Bermuda Triangle of Marshot, Lou Brown, and Scott Farrell on the bench. Where am I? Who am I closest to? You know, at the beginning, when I first heard you, I would have said, and I can't pinpoint which one, but one of the Muppets. I don't know which one. Oh, great. But <laughs> I like my choices better than that. Thanks. But as you got warmed up, I would say Farrell on the bench. <laughs> Farrell on the bench. <laughs> it's pretty darn close. <laughs> you know, but... But you're, you know, hey, man, you're, you're plugging through. I like it. You're a gamer. It's correct. You know, Pharrell on the bench, Scott Pharrell, who was big time in sports talk radio in the 90s. I th- still think he still has a show, but he actually started his radio career in Bloomington at B97 yeah, working Bloomington. with Joe Smith. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I remember man, him I'll going all what. in on, on, on Ed Lynch, who was a relief pitcher for the Cubs at the time. And I remember listening to him in the afternoon when I got off of school, do a sports update, just ripping the pants off of Ed Lynch. And I thought, that's a little bit different than Joe Smith right there. And as it turned out, it was. By the way, Joe Smith, who's a legend. I, mean, I love Joe Smith, yes. right? But Joe Smith, who I, I don't know that I've met Joe Smith, but I've always heard he's just a dear guy, just a great guy. He is a great guy, yeah. But he um, – Joe Smith did a critique 
of Dave First when Dave was a student at IU. And in his critique of Dave's work, he said, you say, um, too much, <laughs> which, which if you listen to Big Ten scoreboard updates, it's the greatest critique of all time. Checking scores from around the uh, Big uh, Ten, uh, it's uh, Michigan uh, State, uh, which is kind of, I mean, that's just his style, right? But Yeah, then, Matt uh, Taylor's got a great impression of him, too. But now, Joe, uh, yeah, Joe's legendary. We used to uh, call him a friend of mine, John McGue, spent a lot of time working. Oh, I know downtown. Yeah. Yeah, downtown Johnny on WTTS back in the day, and then was a sales guy for artistic media partners with me when I was in Bloomington, and I think also went back to TTS after that. But uh, John McHugh, we used to reference him as uh, Jim Rockford. That was his nickname from the Rockford Files, James Garner. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, Johnny McHugh's a good guy, man. Man. None better. I think what you I had said, by the way, about the Colts is dead on. I, I mean, John, that game, you know, that game on Saturday, the reality is it's obviously embarrassing to lose in that fashion. It's embarrassing to squander the biggest lead in the history of the NFL. This is, you know, they, they continue to get humiliated coming out of intermissions. Yeah. But in the end, a loss is a loss, just as one win is one win. And there would have been nothing to be gained by winning that game. I know the Colts, for pride, want to win that game, and I get that. But there's nothing to be gained. And, you know, if you're Chris Ballard, you know, you've got to be somewhat ashamed, I would think, to know that you are at the point now in the season where the season is a complete wash and now you've got to hope for negative results in order to try to salvage anything positive out of it. Because yeah. this is this is just not – you know, if you look at the other teams that are drafting around like, – you know what's interesting? If you look at the other teams that are drafting that the Colts are scoreboard watching to see where they're going to slot in terms of the draft, the it's a combination of teams that either A, didn't have a lot going into the season, so you kind of knew this is where they were going to be, or B, teams that were savvy in their trades, a la Detroit, and put themselves in position to draft really good players because they were savvy in terms of trades they made. Whereas the Colts, you know, have, have traded out a lot. And, you know, they've, they've got a – and Chris Ballard has been good in undrafts. I mean, more than, more than he has not, admittedly. But they've got a hit because they, they – covet so much turning high picks into multiple later round picks. Obviously, they're not going to do that this year, but, you know, Kevin was saying this morning, is it the most disappointing or the most, I think he said the most embarrassing season that he can remember for the Colts. That's probably accurate. I mean, look, they had some, I'm old enough to remember, I, I mean, you know, when they were, they started out 0 and I don't know, 0-13, I think, in 91, and Dickerson was suspended, and Ron Meyer got fired. I mean, it was a total disaster. But everybody knew going into it it was going to be a total disaster because they traded for a young quarterback the year before, but they traded their best receiver and their best lineman to get him. I mean, my goodness, like they had Jeff George was out there throwing the guys that were either off a trash heap or like nobody even remembers who they are, and he had nobody protecting him. So – you know, there was no light at that time. There was no 
you didn't look at anything and have any reason for optimism. This team, I guess you could say there's reason for optimism because they have some good players. As we've talked about all season long, John, I just think those good players are in positions that aren't of great value in today's NFL. And, and where they go from here is going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I mentioned this, and, and Jake Query joins us. I think this is the most embarrassing season of all time. And you and I both can speak to this because we know exactly when they got here and what we were dealing with when they got here, how everybody was just happy that you had an NFL team, had no idea what real winning in the NFL was all about and really didn't have much of an idea at all until you had that comet of an end of a 95 season. And then obviously the Manning era brought that in, something that you recognize now as the top of the level. But because of the lack of expectations during most of that early era, if not all of it, it's just different now because every year they have tried to sell you on this product that's going to be at in a division championship level or a, a game hosting at home in the postseason level or a winning a game in the postseason level. And not only do they miss the mark again, but they're doing it in embarrassing fashion. And it's not just on the field. It's all this off the field, discombobulation. You get the owner meddling. You get all this stuff going on that – sometimes can be reminiscent of the bad old days. And that's exactly what you don't want, Jake. You know what? Let me tell you something interesting, John. And we've talked a lot about this, I realize. But from, for those that, are, that don't recall or didn't live here or are too young, from 1984 to 1993. Now, granted, they had some seasons where they won. Nine, I mean, people got super excited. Don't get me wrong. I remember being thrilled in 87 when they went to the playoffs and they played in Cleveland and, you know, being heartbroken when they lost that game. And I mean, yeah, the strike was part of the reason why they won the division, but they had some uptick. They had some good players. You know, Jeff Robb was a good player. Albert Bentley was a good player. Bill Brooks, a good player. Chris Chandler was a good player. But what you had then was everyone in town knew that Bob Ursay was, you know, I mean, every, everything that you've heard about Bob Ursay. I mean, everyone knew that Bob Ursay was totally inconsistent, had terrible problems with alcoholism, was never sober, and was just a total fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants decision-maker that would cut guys at halftime and have his buddies calling in plays from the press box and on and on and on. So there was no expectation. The brand of the Indianapolis Colts for the first 10 years they were here, quite frankly, was dysfunction. That's all we knew. That's all we knew. We knew that they came because they left Baltimore in the middle of the night. We were thrilled to have them. And, but what we knew was that the, the organization itself, because Bob Ursay, when he was out in public, was dysfunction. And everyone knew it. So to Jim Ursay's credit, once Jim Ursay took over ownership of the team and made a concerted effort to not be his father, and Bill Pullian came in, and we've discussed many, many times the – the possible reasoning that Bill Pullian came in. But nonetheless, when Bill Pullian came in and Jim Ursay, either by decision or because he was forced to do so, step back and let Pullian take over, Jim Ursay gets credit for the fact that for whatever reason and for whatever design, he allowed for his organization to then be represented by stability. Peyton Manning was 99% of that. We all know that. But nonetheless, that's what you had. And you had an owner that was making a concerted effort to not be to separate and cleanse his franchise from the stain that his father had built in its reputation. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that 
it's to the Bob Ursay days level. Nothing could be. But this is the first year, John, and I think it's of concern to people over the age of 45. This is the first year that we have seen a Colts season that has started to feel like it has some of the thumbprints of what we saw from Bob Ursay from 84 to 94. And that's what I think is of concern to people. So Jay Query, the morning show co-host, weekday mornings, Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, we're live at Buffalo Wild Wings in Franklin. You can join us today. We've got uh, tickets to the uh, Monday night game with the Chargers, autographed helmet, and more on a blue Monday. Again, Buffalo Wild Wings, we are in Franklin. And apologize for the voice, not sick at all. Laryngitis is the culprit here, and we are slowly working our way back to Pharrell on the bench, to Lou Brown, to a carton of cigarettes, and our smoking guy right now. But we're getting better as the show goes along, hopefully for you. I will bring this to you, and I don't think there's a chance in hell this is going to happen. But let's say Michigan runs the table, wins the national title. Is, is Jim Hall, could you view Jim Harbaugh? as a next head coach and a savior for everybody, is that the best result that you could ask for on any level as the next head coach of this Colts team? Well, I think certainly based on his record in the NFL and college, and Jim Jim Harbaugh has his eccentricities, don't get me wrong, but he clearly can coach and he clearly gets results and he did in San Francisco. And so, yes, I think he is target number one. And I think that he would offer the one thing. The other thing I think Harbaugh would do is, you know, I, I think that what we have seen, if you look really since the manning Polian era, okay, when you transitioned into Gregson Pagano, and then obviously you go from that to Ballard-Reich, Pagano-Ballard, Ballard-Reich, those are all guys that what do Chuck Pagano, Chris Ballard, Ryan Gregson, and Frank Reich, what do they all have in common? All of them got their first opportunity as a general manager or head coach with the Indianapolis Colts. And so as a result of that, they had to kind of fall in line with what the owner who was giving them that opportunity was quote-unquote, suggesting that they do. Jim Harbaugh is a guy whose track record, whose pedigree, and whose previous relationship with the Indianapolis Colts as a player would dictate that he wouldn't have to fall in line with that. He's one guy I think that would be able to say to Jim Harbaugh, not, or to Jim Mercer, I don't think we want to go that way. Here's what I want to do. And I think that's probably needed at this point, is somebody that by default, does not cause Jim Irsay to subconsciously or subliminally make decisions, and rather somebody that Irsay has enough respect for that he is going to allow them total autonomy. And I think that's what's needed. Yeah, you know, and mine was just kind of a, a surface sample here of, of Harbaugh being a guy that if, and again, I don't believe it's going to happen whatsoever, but if you could, would reconnect everybody who have been disconnected by virtue of of this season you know either through embarrassing losses like Saturday or you're just kind of tired of paying attention to it tired of being told how good it's going to be than it not being that level whatever the case I think that's something that that re-energizes that juices up a fan base that is in desperate need of it you know again you can always juice up a fan base with wins but 
without playing, that's going to be tough. The hiring process is going to be for the long term as important as what you do with that quarterback to me as well in how the fans react to it, how everybody reacts to it. And that is, to me, a can't miss if you can do it. I just don't think that there's a chance in hell you're going to. But that's my rationale behind why that would make so much sense to me and why that would be as big a deal around here as we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I agree with that. I, but in the end, you know, fans are, and I don't mean this to pick on people of Indianapolis or anywhere else. We're this, I mean, I'm, I'm in this category as well. We're all the same, right? Fans are the most hollow-threaded people ever, right? Like, fans are always like, if they don't make a change, I'm not coming back. I'm not going to buy tickets anymore. Yeah, okay. Until they start out 3-0, and and then you get the old fear of missing out, and you got to be down there, and you got to be at the games. And, you know, so – no matter who they get, if they win some games, people, people, the interest will be sparked again. But I do think that Harbaugh, you know, one thing about Jim Mercer, he's a nostalgic guy, John. And, you know, he's, he's a guy that loves the history of his franchise and has a great reverence and respect for those that contributed. And Jim Harbaugh is up there in the ring of honor. And, you know, he, when this town first fell in love with the Colts, you know, we, we had a crush on the Colts for the first 12 years they were here. And then Jim Harbaugh threw that pass into the air for Aaron Bailey, and the entire city stopped and collectively for a moment dreamed about what was going to happen if that ball came down and he caught it. And that was the first time that we had that taste and that high that we have chased. And, of course, we ultimately met it, but chased it ever since. And in that moment, this city then became infatuated with the Colts. And I think Jim Irsay would love to go back to be able to capture that moment to get everybody infatuated all over again, even though we all know they don't really ever break up with you, but that would cement it for sure. All right, Jake, this was asking me a little bit earlier. I kind of used that as a, a tease. Do you think this situation is one that let's just say you go in, you do draft a quarterback, which we all expect, let's say Ballard's still there Saturday isn't as a head coach Matt Ryan isn't as a quarterback if you go in is is this an easy fix is this something where you can jump right back on what you had hoped to be the course or is this going to take longer again because of the shortcomings of the team of how it's been constructed and of then having a rookie quarterback to have to deal with well this is where and I didn't have this epiphany until this morning but then I had it and this is where I think they erred I don't know that we can answer that, John. That's the problem. And the reason we can't answer it is because in any – like when you were a kid and you did science experiments, the one thing that you do when you're doing a science experiment and you're trying to erase a variable is you have the control, which is the consistency from one experiment to the next. They keep changing it. So we don't know what the control is because it is, is this roster good enough with really good experience coaching – to get over the top and was Frank Reich the problem well we don't know because they removed Frank Reich and then replaced him with a guy who was even less experienced than Frank Reich was so how the hell do we know what was was Frank Reich actually a really good coach and the the roster was the problem well we don't know because they went and they replaced him with a coach that is learning on the job so there are just too many you know Midway through the year, we removed the quarterback and we put in Sam Ellinger, who got two games, and then boom, all of a sudden, 
let's put Matt Ryan back in there. There are just so many things that they've done where they haven't allowed any sort of traction towards any theory to be truly tested. That's the real challenge. I do personally think they have some very good players. I mean, we have to, to remember that Shaquille Leonard, who I still maintain is overrated, but he's a good player. Shaquille Leonard was not there. He hasn't been there all year. They've missed his turnovers. I think that Bobby O'Karake and EJ Speed have played well. Zaire Franklin's played well. Jonathan Taylor is a good player. I don't know that he's worth what they're probably going to pay him to retain him, but he's a, he's a very good player, obviously. I mean, he is an elite-level player for his position. They have good pieces. Do they have depth of those pieces? Probably not. Is their line a, a matter of personnel or is it a matter of scheme? It's probably a matter of scheme because they have good players that we know have been good as an offensive line, but they're just there just seems to be water seeping in every single area that you turn. I personally feel like it is not the total overhaul that is necessary or, or, or that is expected, except for the most important position in sports is the one that you got to overhaul. And so even if you have nines all around whoever comes in a quarterback next year, you have no idea how good that quarterback's going to be, and you have no idea how good they're going to be with the team that they're asked to play with. So there's there's no preparation. There's no game plan. This was the most horribly put-together two- to three-year plan in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. Because what is the plan? Are they going to go out and get another 38-year-old quarterback? I mean, are they going to be scouting Crestwood Village later on the west side to see who's going to be the quarterback next year? Because there's zero reason, none, not a, not a thing. There is zero reason why Matt Ryan should be back next year. None. Not, not, not one. Not one. And so then what do you do? So you can't answer the question as to what they're going to be like next year without knowing who the quarterback's going to be, and there was no vision on who that's going to be. That's what frustrates me. So, Jake Quay, with us, uh, I'm a Reds fan, and I just got this news. Uh, the Reds are saddened to learn of the passing of former pitcher Tom Browning. Tom Browning was on this show maybe three, four years ago and one of the greatest guests of all time. That is such a oh, bummer. Let me tell you couple of things about him john as you know i mean perfect game right um yep but you know that two of the great tom browning moments i mean what wasn't tom browning the one and i could be wrong wasn't tom browning the one that left riverfront because his yes. wife was going into labor and marty had to call him back to the stadium on the radio well, not only that he was also the one that went up and sat on the uh, rooftops and, during the game right, when the cubs were playing right, the reds right. too some of the, the, the two of the greatest stories. there above the Torco sign? Yeah, well, and the story you're talking about is on CBS during the broadcast. That's when Tim McCarver said, hey, this is a shout to, to Tom Browning. Your team wants you to return to the ballpark. <laughs> if yeah. you remember, that's how McCarver, that went down. But, yeah, I think it was 90, 93 maybe. 93 is when Browning went up and sat on the rooftops at Wrigley, got fined by Davey Johnson, who was not at all happy about it. Uh, just some of the greatest stories of all time was a tremendous left-handed pitcher authored a perfect game and has uh, reportedly passed away. And uh, that should make all Reds fans sad. He was fantastic. Yeah, it's a sad day, man. It's, you know, as you and I know, John, I mean, it's, it's always sad when guys that you watched as a kid, you know, it's, it's a, it's obviously a sign of life, but, um, great player, great memories, and, and like you, I'm a Reds fan. So, um, you know, the only thing you could say is a lot of joyous times watching those Reds teams and watching him, and, and he should be thanked for it.
Yeah, I guess I could save you talking about IU basketball, but I'll leave you with this, and you can give your opinion, and then we'll bail, is that everybody always gets way, way out in front with any IU basketball team, and they did with this one as well. Uh, as far as, you know, being the you know Final Four contender, best in the country, Trace Jackson Davis being the best player in the country, um, with the two really good teams that they played in the past two weeks, that kind of goes to show you exactly what they are right now. And I, I don't know if they're going to consistently ever find what they're looking for in terms of shooting with this group, but you turn it over 24 times, even if you're playing in that environment. That's terrible. Everything needs to be looked at long and hard, from players to coaching, all of it, after a dismal performance like that. Yeah, the reality is, and, and you know, it's interesting because I had asked a friend of mine the other day before that game, I said, do you think it's time maybe to start thinking about Tamar Bates getting more minutes over Xavier Johnson just based on consistency? And I know that Johnson is a John Starks-type player. When he's on, he's really good. But when he's off, good Lord. And, you know, he's injured. It looks like he's going to be out for a while. Um, yeah. So you certainly wish the best. You never want to see a young player get hurt. Uh, kudos to the Kansas fans for being very respectful as he, as he was hurt in that game. But Trace Jackson Davis is a very good player. He's a very good player that is not a very good player when he gets double teamed by bigs because it, his lateral quickness is just not enough to be able to step out and get around guys. He's still a good player, obviously, but but he needs help. And, look, there are a lot of teams that are going to go into Allen Fieldhouse and get beat by 20. I mean, it's not like there's a huge shame in that. But if you're an elite team, you might lose, but you don't get blown out of the building. And they were never in that game from the get-go. Nope. Kansas' speed and ball movement was just too much for them. And I think what you see is, you know, Indiana might have two or three guys that can play at fast pace and catch lightning in a bottle. Kansas has got like nine of them, right? And that's what separates the elite from the good to very good. So I think they're still good to very good. I just don't think that they are in the upper crust that Indiana fans think they are. I mean, their big signature win so far, the one that people got excited about. I mean, I know the Xavier win was good, but, you know, that North Carolina win. And, I mean, you know, what do we learn? We don't know what, we don't know what to think of Carolina either, right? So I still think that they're on pace to be, you know, a contender in the Big Ten. I think they're on pace to be a, a second weekend of the NCAA tournament. But a lot of it depends on matchups. And as I said, I think, you know, the way that they guard, they're going to be able to stay in games, but they got to be able to shoot the ball better. And, and they got to shoot the ball better than they did on Saturday. Yeah, well, you, you too. You talk about Trace needs help. He needs help uh, from others team-wise for the team to be better. He needs help from others for him to be as good as he can be, too. And he's just not a dude that's going to go out there uh, unless you're talking about, you know, especially against an Arizona or a Kansas Right, and you're not always going to be playing those types of teams. He's just not going to be able to go out and, and be, you know, those types of big number guys against teams like that because there's not much worry defensively on really anybody else out there other than him. And he can't go out there against that and get a lot of his own because he just doesn't have different ways to score. He's going to be going to the rim, slashing to the rim, cutting to the rim, and when that's unavailable, He's pretty much offensively hosed, Jake. Yeah, uh, no argument on any of that, man. No argument on any of that. All right, man. What you guys got coming up in the morning? Uh, we'll be talking, actually, you know, we'll continue, obviously, the Colts conversation. Greg Regstraw is going to join us. We'll talk a little bit of World Cup with him uh, as well. And then, you know, Pacers on the road for three. They come back two days after Christmas. So, um, you know, they, they've dipped down. Water's starting to find its level a little bit there. So we'll dive deeper into that as well. 
Got it, buddy. I appreciate you. Thanks, Jake. All right. Get to feeling better. Thanks, man. Jake Query with us. As we're live at Buffalo Wild Wings, again, I feel fine. It's my voice that's messed up. Like, I'm going to take exception to this, and I'm assuming Daniel's not talking about me because this is not me. Let's not forget that the media hyped up this IU team a ton. That media wasn't me, brother. You might point the finger at different media as doing that, but that media was not me. I will take a wait-and-see approach. I'm happy when they play well. I'm happy when they show signs of being something that they haven't been in a while. But I certainly am not going to sit here and say best in the country, final four bound, anything like that. They have way too many steps to hit, and you can't skip them. So, Daniel, I'm assuming you're not talking to me about this crap because that media is not me in this. It's not just the fans. I know that it's the media, but you can point that finger someplace else. Just a thought. Come back with more Colts conversation in a moment. More on IU if you want to do that. The Pacers also, as we're live at Buffalo Wild Wings in Franklin. It is a Buffalo Wild Wings Blue Monday. Love to see you here. Tickets to give away. Autographed helmet to give away. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, I cannot thank you enough for being a part of this show. And again, I am not sick. I am not Pharrell on the bench. JMV here live at Buffalo Wild Wings on the Blue Monday. We're in Franklin on US 31 today. Love to see. I'm going to hang around a little bit afterwards, too. I mean, what the heck? Here's the deal. I sound like I'm completely sick. I am not at all. I have laryngitis. I, did ha- I had no voice yesterday. And, and if you watched me on 59 last night, it was worse than this. And then it started to come back this morning, and this is as good as I could get it before I started the show at three. So I'm going to give you that cross between Pharrell on the bench to Lou Brown from Major League to Marge Schott. I sound like I'm 115 years old, but I'm not, and I feel fantastic. I even hooped. I feel great. It's just the voice which is going out on me. So thank you for hanging around and hanging with me regarding that. All right, Colts, loser in an embarrassing fashion on Saturday afternoon in Minnesota. The biggest comeback, or if you want to put it another way, the biggest gag job in the history of gag jobs in the NFL by the Colts. Biggest comeback by Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. If you missed the news earlier today, Jonathan Taylor with an injury more than likely will not play the remainder of the season. That is the smart move with this. There is no reason for him to play the remainder of the season. And you got Monday Night Football tonight. You got the Rams and the Packers. Sad news today, the passing, as we learned, of a guy that I thought a couple of different times with me on this show was fantastic. He was an author of A Perfect Game. I think that goes back to 1988. The left-hander Tom Browning, the former Reds left-hander, has reportedly passed away He had him on maybe five years ago, and he was incredible. He's a lot of, especially my era, maybe a little bit younger, a lot of your uh, favorite pitchers of all time in a Reds uniform. 
I know a lot of you have Jose Rio as that. Some of you, if you go back as far as I do, you know, probably love Mario Soto. Maybe it was Danny Jackson from that particular era. But Tom Browning was awesome. Absolutely awesome. And uh, reportedly he has passed away. And that makes us very sad today, for sure. Top of the hour, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com is going to join us. Let's get Todd in here at 239-1070 right now. Hello, Todd. How are you? Hey, John. He kind of bringing me in on a downer there, man. Uh, yeah, I know. That's a bummer, man. I love yeah. Tom Browning. Absolutely loved him. By the way, I'm also catching uh, maybe a little uh, Peter Brady there, uh, your voice. Maybe yeah. a, a twitch of uh, Lou Rawls and, uh, dare I say, a hint of Sam Elliott. So, um, I, I get, Yeah, maybe a little bit of Sam Elliott. <laughs> I want to talk Miho and uh, we don't want to do this and double douche and things like that. Yeah, probably more Lou Brown status there, but you're right on all fronts. Hey, um, so – Actually, ironic, two ex-Colt uh, coordinators, Zebra Flus and uh, Sirianni, yep. ended up with pretty good quarterbacks. <laughs> Just, and, and by the way, not, none of it really, they were on the roster before they took the job. Um, uh, pretty, pretty, you, you'd, you'd, you'd take either of those, uh, either of those guys uh, at this point on our team. But I want to know, somebody give me one reason why not to, start Ellinger the last three games. Are we afraid we're going to win them? Um, I, 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 and I don't, I don't believe we will. But And I'm not saying that Ellinger is a starting quarterback in this league because I thoroughly don't believe he is. But how do you know if he's not a Brock Purdy or a Mike White or um, a number of these other guys, even a Taylor Heineke, in the future where you know you've got that on your bench if you don't give him some, some real reps and real games? And, and preseason games don't count worth a poo, dude. So, I mean, you got to play him in a real NFL game. So, I just want your thoughts on why you wouldn't Yeah, play yeah. I, I, and, Todd, thank you for the call. I'm assuming if Jeff Saturday still believes that, you know, Matt Ryan is the guy, I don't know what you're looking at. I just, to me, I guess, Todd, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I'm sure to Jeff Saturday it does. I'm sure he wants to win more than one. But to me, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, whoever you play, now, Ellinger wasn't even, he, you know, he wasn't even active on Saturday. So as far as Ellinger is concerned, yeah, whatever. I, I guess I just look at it that way. Maybe the wrong way to look at it. But at this point, I know everybody's tired of seeing Matt Ryan. He can't throw zero arm strength. Their offense is an absolute mess with him. Probably going to be an absolute mess without him. But he's horrible. It would, listen, it wouldn't bother me if they replaced him. I don't see why we need to see any more of him. I don't know why Jeff Saturday would feel that he could offer up any win. You know, you can argue this. Well, well wait a minute. They were up 33 nothing. In large part, that had very little to do with the offense. That offense is beyond limp and is not going to get any better with him. That is it. That offense mustered up three points in the second half. So I guess what it comes down to is I'm sick of seeing it, but it really, to me, longer term doesn't matter. I'm not a believer in Ellinger as many. Maybe you think there hasn't been enough. We haven't seen enough. Maybe you're right. I think I have. And then there's no way Nick Foles, you haven't played him so far. So without injury, why would you play him now? 
But I get where you're coming from, Todd. Quick break. Come back. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. ESPN.com. US 31 South. We are in Franklin today on a Bud Light Blue Monday. I've got stuff to give away, so you need to get here. Our friends at Buffalo Wild Wings in Franklin hosting us today on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? But this whole place sucks. That's right, it sucks. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Back to work here. K.J. Osborne goes in motion to the left side. Ball in the far hash. Cousins out of the gun. Backs to throw. Stands in the pocket. Throws it up. Picked off by the Colts. 10-5. Touchdown. Defensive score. Julian Blackman picks it off and carries it into the end zone. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. It is 29 to nothing. Matt Taylor, Joe Wrights from the Colts Radio Network on the call right there. It got to 33 to nothing, and then uh, the Colts in the second half crapped all over themselves and uh, were the authors of the most embarrassing gag job anybody has ever seen in a second half of play, losing to the Vikings in a standalone 1 o'clock Saturday afternoon game that was the punchline for everybody, including the World Cup match yesterday. With Argentina blowing that 2-0 advantage, that was even memed up everywhere, too, as the Colts were utilized as a punchline. Buffalo Wild Wings on a Blue Monday, US 31, we're in Franklin. I'd love to see you. In fact, I am so going to have a beer when I'm done here. I would advise you to come out and have Skyler and I are going to have an ice-cold Bud Light as soon as we're done. I want to thank you for listening because I sound like garbage. I realize that. And maybe you're going to say, well, you sound like garbage every day, so this is nothing different. Respect. But at the same time, I am not sick. I feel great. I've hooped it up and everything. Feel great. I had laryngitis yesterday where I lost my voice. And then I got it back in time for going on with Hagen last night on 59. And then worked my way to this point. This is like a high water mark from my voice in the past 48 hours. So my apologies for it. Thank you for listening. I know you want to get in your reaction. We can at 239-107. You've got the email, jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. The video is up and running, too. I've got an autographed helmet, and I've got Monday night tickets to give away when we are done here. Again, at Buffalo Wild Wings from Franklin today. Would love to see you. Meantime, Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from ESPN.com, who is still probably in a bit of shock for what he witnessed on Saturday afternoon in Minneapolis. He is Stephen Holder joining us. Listen, I'm cool with them losing, but when you get up 33-0, you got to close it, and you don't want that stain of embarrassment to be something that's going to be lifelong lasting as far as the NFL is concerned, and that's exactly what it was Saturday. Oh, it was. Let me tell you, listen, this team, there is something you cannot take away from them, okay? They are remarkable, okay? And and there's a lot of ways you can use that word. And in this particular way, it is not for the good, right? They, It's interesting. They have now lost in, I think, historic fashion multiple times. I tried to convey this in a story. I don't know if I did a good job, but this was obviously the low point, I think. 
Yeah. But you have to also go back to go back to the Patriots game. That's one of the worst offensive performances in franchise history. Okay, this is a proud franchise. One of the absolute worst offensive performances in franchise history. Then go to Dallas, thirty-three points in the fourth quarter, second most fourth quarter points yielded uh, by a team in NFL history. And then Saturday, history again. So listen, they they haven't done a whole lot memorable this year, but at the same time, they will not be forgotten. That's the one thing they got going for them. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and really to maintain an up-and-coming draft status, that's really what you want to happen. The problem is this is what this team is right now. And I, I said this, and it would be, we've been going back and forth today as far as, you know, is this, Stephen, going to be something that when you go out and draft a quarterback, can you turn things around and win, and how long will it take? It just seems like with what Chris Ballard has put together, even beyond the quarterback, this thing is not going to work. And I don't have a great deal of confidence that it's going to come back anytime soon. How about you? Well, I go back and forth, okay? So there's a couple ways to look at this. First, my my issue, I'll I'll say it this way. My issue is I don't think the quarterback is a quick fix. That's my bigger concern, as opposed to I'm worried that the rest of the team is terrible. Now, here's here's why I say that, and here's why I'm more worried about quarterback than the other stuff. The reason is, if you look at that game on Saturday, it's actually a good indication of what this team is. And what I mean by that is look at the first half, not the second half. The first half, I think, tells you a lot. In the first half, they get a defensive touchdown, a touchdown on special teams. They're doing a great job getting stops, getting off the field. And the offense, in all of that, they get one offensive touchdown, okay, against a a Vikings defense that didn't seem interested in playing for whatever reason. And so they get, they get 33 points in the first half. And all, in, among all of those points, you've got one offensive touchdown. And then in the second half, they had, I believe, nine possessions. I charted this. I think it was nine possessions. They crossed the 50-yard line, I believe. Don't have it in front of me, but I believe one time. I mean, what in the world is that? That's, that's, absolute, that's garbage football, absolute garbage offense. And so what I'm saying is, I think they're now the defense gave up 36 points in the second half, right? That can't happen. But at the same time, when you're not sustaining drives, you can't get first downs. At some point, the defense is going to fall apart. That was a tired unit. It's not okay, but I also kind of can envision how it happened, right? So what I'm saying to you is I, I see other areas of the scene. I think special teams still flashes defense. I still like a lot of the stuff that I see from time to time. It's just, it's not enough. It's just not going to be enough when your offense is absolute bottom five in the NFL and barely that on some days. Yeah, and I kind of look at it this way, is that a lot of what took place in the first half, there was no consistency from us seeing a lot of that this year. I just think it was circumstantial more than anything else. And, and Stephen, I think more in the second half is, I guess, to me, more who this team is and what they're about that, to me, will make for a massive fix here, and not just by hopefully drafting a rookie quarterback or somebody that can throw further than 20 yards down the field, which is Matt Ryan's an absolute disaster. 
and you know, the, I'll take it a step further. I, I actually, I will say this, despite what I just said about liking what I, some of what I have seen on special teams and defense, I would also admit that over the, I, I think, I don't know, recent weeks and, and at times this season, we've even seen drop off there as well. You know, the defense, you know, they kind of caved late in that Dallas game, right? And they certainly caved in the second half on Saturday in Minnesota. Uh, special teams, I mean, eh, whatever. I think they've done the job. But um, but the defense, as good as it was early, I thought the defense in, early in the season was really good. But I think we've started to see the stain of this season even take a toll on that unit. <laughs> and so here's what happens next year or in this coming off season, you have to decide, okay, is this a team that is this a roster that's sustainable or do you need to tear some things down? And so I think it becomes a situation where they have to entertain some really hard decisions on some good players because they got to decide what they are. Are they a team that can fix this on the fly or are they a team that's got to start over? And I think that depends a lot on what the quarterback outcome is and where they think they are. But I, I think the fact that they have had some setbacks, the Colts in recent, in recent weeks, even the good parts of their team, it makes you take, I think, a broader view and examination of what they are and, and whether this whole thing is salvageable even a little bit in the long term. So I think that's kind of what you're getting at. I, I don't know. I, I think that quarterback, whoever it is, likely this year should have taught us that. It's not going to be a quick fix. So let's just say, and we'll get to this in a minute because I don't know how, why he would deserve to come back for a seventh year, but I am of the opinion that Chris Ballard will be back and he will direct the draft again. He will be a huge part of it and a function of it moving forward. I'll be surprised, let's just say, if he isn't. I think he's going to be. I don't think he should be. But do you think that he is going to have that firm, I'm smarter than everybody else in the world of football view of what he is building here with the absolute failure it has been? Or will he back away from that philosophy a little bit and start bending more, being more flexible to what the rest of the NFL world Steven's trying to do? I mean, if he hasn't learned anything, then I don't know what the point any of this is. Like what point has any of this served, right? I mean, if you're going to go through this, hopefully they learn something from it, <laughs> right? And so I have to assume that there have been some lessons learned. Now, I agree with you just to solidify what you said. I agree. I think Chris Ballard will be back. Whether you like that or not, I think that's where we are. I think he will be back. I, I take Jim Irsay at his word. And I do think it's, it's a frustrating thing to evaluate Chris Ballard in some respects. Now, you can look at the team and where they are, and you can just throw your hands up and say, get this guy out of here, right? That's a very easy thing to do. On the other hand, I could look at the draft results and say, look, the draft results really are impressive. I'm, I'm just telling you, I've, I've watched other teams' drafts. They're garbage for the most part, or in many respects. Their, their draft results are pretty good. I mean, their, their percentages are pretty good. However, the problem is – it's where they've, it's, it's some of the decisions they've made about the direction of the team and the direction of certain positions and so forth. So it's, it's not about evaluating talent. That's not the problem. It's more about, about some of the choices they have made in philosophy and things like that. And I think that's what you're talking about. 
And so I separate those two things, but it's the same guy, right? The draft results and the philosophy of the team building, it's the same guy making those decisions. So you, you want to separate it in your head, but you can't really separate it because it's the same individual making those decisions. But I agree. I think he'll be back. I think he's got to make some changes. The last thing I'll say on this point real quick uh, before you shut me up is I do think they should make free agency a bigger part of what they do. But I also think that we have to start talking about spending and the fact that they have some, they have some restrictions there that 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 is a reality. We don't talk about enough and Jim Mercer don't want to talk about that either. Well, I want to let's bring that up then because I've heard this before too. I can't remember if I asked you this or not, but we often hear that Jimmer says wallet's always open, checkbook's always open regardless. And then I have heard some stories over this season, whereas that is not the case. Case, I should say. What's the truth behind that? Okay, so look, it's the NFL. They have plenty of money in the grand scheme. Uh, the, the point is, or the problem, I guess, is that there are a lot of other teams that have a lot more money, right? So, so these, these salaries, they're escalating. And, and that's fine, right? I'm all for players making money. I mean, more power to them. I think where that becomes a problem for the Colts is they can't really or they don't feel comfortable getting into these bidding wars. And that's why every March we have these conversations about – well, why can't they get this guy? I mean, they can, but they have to make some tough choices, right? So it's kind of like take, take your household budget because Chris Ballard has a budget, whatever it is. I don't know the number, but he's got a budget. They have acknowledged that, and it's, it's probably not as high as the one Jerry Jones gives his team, right? It's just true. And so just for example, not that Jerry Jones has anything to do with this, but whatever that number is, it forces Chris Ballard at times this is my understanding and my observation, right? It forces him at times to make some unpopular choices. So I look at the offensive line this year, for example, and some of the choices they made, you're talking about 3 million here, 4 million there, where they could have retained some really good players. They didn't do it. And I think those are the kinds of things we're talking about. Like if you're going to go out and get Stephon Gilmore for $12 million, well, you've got to squeeze somewhere else. And so, that's just one example. I'm not saying that was a bad decision. I'm just giving you an example of the kinds of uh, financial decisions they have to make. So now that's, that doesn't account for all of their mess. Okay. Let's just be clear. This ain't getting them off the hook. This is not why they are where they are, but I do think go back to Danico Autry, for example, which I think has bit them in the butt numerous times, letting him walk. Um, I think money really drove that decision as opposed to philosophy. They said it was philosophy and we like our young guys, but the hell with that money was a huge part of that decision. And so those are, those are some examples of what they're dealing with. And maybe Chris Ballard should be more honest about it. I don't know, but you know, I, well, I think is it, uh, not is it the, the finance, is it story. the financial philosophy of Ballard or the budget of Ursay? Uh, it's both. It's both. It, it is both. And, and now that's, that's a fair point, though, because Ballard has talked about this, uh, about wanting, you know, players to earn it and, and not wanting to just kind of, you know, throw money at, at players outside their organization who they didn't groom and all that. But I think the truth of the matter is, I mean, you look at, t- say, take Philadelphia, for example, right now. 
I mean, they went and got A.J. Brown. I know it's a trade, but I'm just saying they went and got A.J. Brown, paid him big money, and they're probably not where they are right now without that move, right? I mean, they're still a good team, but, I mean, are they, are they sitting on top of the NFC without that move? Maybe not. Uh, so, I mean, that's, the, that's, that's an example of a move that, that Chris Ballard has been reluctant to make. The only such move I can think of is, is DeForest Buckner. And guess what? That worked out great. He's a great player, right? So, like, you know, maybe they should apply those lessons, you know, going forward. I, I don't know. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, live at Buffalo Wild Wings on a Blue Monday. We are in Franklin on US 31. Great food. We're going to have some beverages when we're done, so come out and join us if you're in the area. Buffalo Wild Wings in Franklin on US 31. So, we hear that, and logically so. Jonathan Taylor, with that injury on Saturday, is going to be shut down for the season. How, in the, the further distant future, financially, will they view Jonathan Taylor? Is it more of what you saw the year before last in his value, or is it going to be more in the neighborhood of his value this year? How will his next contract be represented? Uh, that's a really interesting question that I don't think I can answer right now, but I can't wait to see how it plays out. I think if you're Jonathan Taylor's representation, you are banging the door down this off season, pay my guy because he's given them a lot of mileage the last couple of years. And, and now the injuries are starting to hit and I don't, I don't think he's injury prone. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, I think it's a wake up call. If you're, if you're Jonathan Taylor, right? You have given them a, a lot of mileage uh, for not much money the last couple of years, and I, I think he's going to want to get his. He's going to be have he's going to have one year left on his rookie contract after this year, and I, I mean I I will tell you this I saw a different version of Jonathan Taylor a different personality from Jonathan Taylor this year, and what I mean by that is look he's still a team first guy but. I will say it was very interesting to see him say or to see him, I think, lead the decision to not play a couple of times this year, as opposed to the team saying, hey, you're going to sit. No, it was actually Jonathan Taylor saying, yeah, you know what? My ankle ain't good. I'm not playing. I'm not there yet. And I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's notable, right? Because that tells me the guy is self-aware he understands, and I think that's a guy who's going to want his money. <laughs> and damn it, he should ask for his money. So I, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be delicate, but he, he's a running back. You know how they how they get treated in contract negotiations. Um, we know the injury rate, so I think it's going to be uh, somewhat difficult, honestly. Um, Stephen Holder joins us. So did Jim say really truly want Jeff Saturday? to win or impress as an interim head coach to maintain this gig after they go through all the interview process and the offseason and the protocols set forth by the NFL? Did he really want him to have that job? Uh, and if so, why did he put him in this situation to where nobody else wants him in that job moving forward into next year? <laughs> because he convinced himself that it would work, that this would have positive results. So you might have looked at it and I might have looked at it as 
a bad idea or at least questioned it, right? Yeah. But in Jim Mercer's mind, I mean, he expressed this. We heard him say it. You know, he, I, I think I take him at his word when he said he thought this would, this would have some sort of seismic impact on the team. I, I don't think he was exaggerating. I don't think that was just lip service. He believed that. Now, I mean, I've, I've had other people tell me that, you know, he really believes that, that Jeff Saturday has what it takes. Now, whether he believes that less now versus, you know, a month ago, I guess that remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, go back to the, go back to the Raiders game and, and the aftermath of that game, Jim Mercy was all too happy to, to say, I told you so. Right. There haven't been a lot of I told you so since then, but he was certainly very happy to say I told you so um, on that day because it was in his mind, uh, you know, a, a fulfillment of the things that he had said and the things that he had convinced himself of. So he believes it. Or at least he did. <laughs> I think it's a harder sell even to himself at this point. Right. So. We'll have to see. I, I I don't know how, if you're Jim Mercer, let's say even if he still thinks that just Saturday is the answer, okay? God bless his heart if he thinks that. But let's say he does. How do you stand up in front of your fans and say, this is the guy, and, and how you sell that to your fans and ask them to come pay thousands of dollars to come sit in your stadium next season? I mean, come on. Yeah, I um. I I don't know how they keep Jeff Saturday, Chris Ballard, and certainly anywhere in the neighborhood of Matt Ryan, but I wouldn't be surprised if you got one of three, certainly, or two of the three in this case as far as this decision-making is, is concerned. It is just an absolute mess, Stephen. It really is. Yeah, you know, the, the Matt Ryan question is actually – more interesting or, or a bigger question than people probably realize. I'm not, I'm not advocating for Matt Ryan coming back. All I'm saying is we just talked about money. And then there's the reality here is they owe him a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> okay. Yep. And that's a real thing. I mean, they could probably work something out. There's probably, there's probably a, a, a contractual solution to that, that I'm not thinking of. And I'm sure they've already considered all that, but all I'm saying is it, do not just brush aside the fact that they owe him $18 million because even if you draft a quarterback, and I presume they'll try to do that, you can draft a quarterback, but two things. Number one, you don't know if that guy is ready to play day one or whether he should play day one. So that's a consideration. And number two, you're going to want a veteran in your building, right? And so at least I think, and, and that veteran will cost you Decent money, most likely. So you're going to be heavily invested at quarterback if you're the Colts next year, one way or the other, because of the money that's owed to to Matt Ryan. So I mean, do they bring him back and have him be a mentor? I don't know. It's I don't. Know. I'm not saying it's a good idea or a bad idea. I'm just saying, you know, something to consider, something to think about. He uh, threw a third quarter pass, uh, which was some of the worst offense in the history of the NFL. But he threw a pass to Michael Pittman Jr. that went straight up and straight down. I thought somebody pulled out a gun and shot the football en route. <laughs> it was oh, that man. noodle-armed, weakly thrown right there. My man is absolutely gasless as far as the tank is concerned. It's over. Over. 
Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, I think the thing that I have noticed, and maybe others disagree, but the thing I've noticed is that it's gotten worse over the course of the season because I still – I mean, go back to, to some of those fourth quarters we saw early on from him. I mean, the ball, I thought, had a lot more life to it, you know, and he, he was making definitely more aggressive throws than he is now. Uh, there are there are people who have told me that there are a number of receivers that are open down the field at times, and he's just – he's not pulling the trigger. I kind of tried to ask him about this last week. I'm working on a story now that you'll see over the weekend, but uh, basically asked him, you know, did he get gun shy because of all the turnovers? And, you know, he admitted that you have to walk this fine line. And so I think there's a lot going on in Matt Ryan's head as well as in that shoulder, especially having had the, uh, the, the shoulder spring, right? That didn't help. So I think there's just a confluence of things going on, but you're right. Physically it's, he's struggling. What's the harmony like in that locker room from what you see? Oh, I mean, I, I think there's, it's what you would expect. A lot of frustration. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's the defensive guys who I think are the most frustrated um, on offense. I think there's just a lot of just, you know, guys feel, I, I don't want to say defeated, but, but they, they've come off a little defeated, you know, because, they don't have answers. You know what I mean? We have lots of questions, but they don't have answers. They can't believe it's this bad either. <laughs> I think on defense, you know, they, they realize they've come up short sometimes, but, but they've also, you know, given them a chance too, you know, I think a lot, a lot of the time. Uh, so over there, you know, you, you look at DeForest Buckner and, it, you know, you talk to him and it's like, he's like, I don't know, man. You know, you feel like, you know, is that a guy who's going to ask for a trade? He didn't say that. Okay, let me be clear. But, like, that's a guy who in the offseason, you know, you could see him saying, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, again, I have no idea. And that's just me talking out of my rear end. But I'm just saying, you know, that that's what you're dealing with. Um, it just feels like a hopeless situation because at this point it is. Stephen Older of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How much more embarrassing does this season look considering the backpedal routine the Titans are doing and then the uh, the mediocre at best Jaguars are looking to track him down right now? I know, I know Jacksonville got themselves a real coach and got rid of the clown, but at the same time, this is all a big joke and makes the Colts, to me, look worse. I totally agree because for all of of Jim Irsay's, you know, complaints and frustrations with not being competitive in the division. This was the year, man. <laughs> this was the year. Who knew, right? I mean, we never expected the Titans to just completely fall apart like this. And I don't know where they're going to wind up, but I mean, what the Titans have seven wins. So, I mean, if this were last season, Hell, the Colts might have clinched already. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're talking about. It, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it just goes to show you, you know, you, you never know how seasons are going to go. And every game matters. And I, I'll say this, too. This is probably stupid on my part. But, <laughs> look, they, they screwed around earlier in the season. I thought they lost two winnable games, you know, like the certainly the, the, the Washington game. I think if Matt Ryan plays that game, maybe they win. I don't know. I, I think that I think Jeff Saturday uh, made some 
some bad calculations a couple of times. I think that Pittsburgh game was winnable. Uh, I'm not sure about Philly. But, you know, they, they weren't that far away. They had some opportunities. They just didn't capitalize on any of them, right? And so that's the league. If you win a couple of those, they're almost in the playoff conversation, which I know sounds ridiculous. They don't, they're not good, right? But I'm just telling you, uh, the good teams find a way, and the bad teams do what they did. All right. Interesting week. What are we going to hear about leading up to Monday night? What are you going to be writing about? What do you got? Uh, well, I'm really recapping. Uh, this is this story will hit on the weekend, but recapping Matt Ryan's, you know, situation. Basically, the whole the whole beginning to end. How did we get here? You know, like how did this happen? I I, I don't think we ever assumed Matt Ryan was going to have like a Tom Brady effect. I never said that, right? I thought he would be really good for them and was what they needed. But I, I was giving the rest of the team more credit, too. But even so, I still, in my wildest dreams, couldn't have envisioned he'd be this bad. And that, I don't think I overrated him. I just think he's, it's just falling apart. And that's what's so frustrating. So, you know, talking to a lot of guys about what they have observed and, and how he's tried to balance that, too, because, you know, you're still the quarterback. you still got to be a leader. you still got to say the right things, do the right things. But you got your own problems right now if you're Matt Ryan right so that's a very delicate balance and I think that's kind of interesting too you know what in closing with Stephen Holder of ESPN.com if there is one unifying name for not just the future but uh, hope in the short term too it's a guy that's not coming I'm not suggesting that he is but Jim Harbaugh is the answer to that question as head coach correct yeah I mean Potentially, yeah. I mean, look, when he got to San Francisco, where was that team at the time? Nowhere, right? They were nowhere. I mean, frankly, he's done it at Michigan too. So there's a track record there. I mean, the guy has an ability to build things, and, and that's what they need. I mean, I, I covered John Gruden many years ago, and he's got issues right now, but, but this is a good example of a different kind of coach. So Tony gets – they, they send Tony packing in Tampa. He built it, but couldn't finish it. John Gruden couldn't build it, but could finish it. Right. And so I think different coaches have different strengths and, and Harbaugh seems to have that, that strength a little bit more like Tony where he can, you know, he can turn things around and, and that's what this thing, that's what they need. It, you know, culture can only take you so far, man. There's, it's, there's more to it and he's got a proven record of doing it. It's uh, Stephen Oler of ESPN.com with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Man, I appreciate you not only coming on, but putting up with this voice today. My Pharrell on the Vince voice is really starting to fade. It's laryngitis. I feel great. I feel fine. No sickness, but, you know, the voice is wreaking havoc on me right now. I hear you, man. Hey, I, I hear that uh, a tall pint is good for the throat, so uh, hurry up and get off the air and get you one. <laughs> yeah, it may be a uh, half gallon or something over here pretty soon, too, buddy. No doubt. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> Take it easy, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Merry Christmas. It's uh, you, too. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Again, I want to apologize for my voice today. There's zero I could do with it. Um, it's actually been hanging in compared to way that it was late last night and into this morning but uh it is not sickness related it is completely laryngitis related because i had zero overnight 
and I've been battling that all day. No question about that. But I'm glad to be here. I did not want to miss this one because this is not too far from where I live. U.S. 31 South, we're in Franklin at this Buffalo Wild Wings. It's one that uh, my kids and I will go to frequently. I'd love to see you here because, as Stephen Holder said, I am going to hang around and drink a little bit of something a little bit later on. So you can come and join us. I see that they have the trivia up here, so I'm definitely going to do that. So we have time, even past the show. If you guys want to join us, come on out. We'd love to see you here. I've got autographed Colts helmet to give away. I've got Monday night tickets to give away while we're here as well. Buffalo Wild Wings. It is a blue Monday. Buffalo Wild Wings location in Franklin. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Collect them, trade them, or just enjoy them. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Buffalo Wild Wings on a Blue Monday. Yeah, this is JMV. I don't sound like myself today. Get apologized for the voice, but we've still done it. Had a great time doing it. Don't have a great time talking about all the negativity. We don't celebrate that, but it's the reality of what we witnessed on Saturday, what this entire Colts season has been. It was the reality with IU the past two games, Arizona and Kansas, and, and the Pacers going through it right now, too. The Pacers' struggles certainly expected, um, although you can still look at them, and most of the game, they look pretty good, and then down the stretch here recently, not so much. IU, on the other hand, some of the more similar situations that we have gone through in the past, shortcomings with that group, and with the Colts, they just right now are an absolute mess. An absolute mess that looks, and I thought Stephen Holder brought up a good point. He says it depends on how you look at it. And granted, I understand the position of quarterback. If you get somebody, if you go out and draft somebody that has arm strength, has escapability, has everything that 37-year-old Matt Ryan doesn't have right now, you know, maybe that changes this team altogether and pushes them forward a little bit more. Just not so sure. Uh, Michael, who is the general manager here of Buffalo Wild Wings, joins us. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. My voice could be better, but I'm feeling great. What do you guys got on later on tonight? Monday Night Football and everything. Well, tonight we are definitely specialing the Wild Herd, Bud Light, and Christmas Ale. Those are our big pushers this year, and that Christmas Ale has absolutely been taking off from Breckenridge. Right. Um, Beyond that, I've got some awesome Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA back there. Top Shelf Long Islands are always a great pick, and as well as the Spiked Lemonade is also a great choice as well. Um, Back in the kitchen, we're always pulling out the great specials, appetizers, wings. You know what we have, so come out and get it. It's great. Look at your, your peeps over there are digging your interview chops right now. Hey, I was thinking about this. So after this, I was thinking about would um, a spicy Bloody Mary be good, you think, for my Oh, for sure. Voice? Absolutely. What it do just, you guys think? Any doctors out there? Spicy Bloody Mary, good for the voice? Yeah, I don't know if I can make a doctor's recommendation. Well, but, but please, that's okay. Because you can play one on the radio as much as I can play one on the radio. So yeah, yeah, I, was, I was thinking maybe, uh, maybe kind of a... Uh, uh, yeah, Bloody Mary, a little spice to Sounds it. Sounds good. I can make yeah, that happen. I for think you. that's what we're going to have to do as well. Food-wise, let's talk about the product a little bit. 
Yeah, so we've got a, well, actually our new traditional wings, we just rolled out a new cooking method earlier this year, and it's had great reviews with the customer base, so great crispy outside, juicy tender inside, plus we have our 30 sauces that you can come out and pick from. Um, I mean, it's Buffalo Wild Wings, everybody's ate it, everybody knows that it's great food. Dude, you're selling this, man. You've done this before. Yeah. Make like to make it look that way, right? <laughs> You've done this before. Okay, we're on US 31. I mean, right here in front of the Meyer. Um, this is a relatively new building. I mean, not that new. A couple of years, certainly. It's one of the newest ones in our franchise. But um, it um, it is certainly one that has taken off around here for sure, Absolutely. right? To uh, give us your hours, you know, when you're open, especially during the holidays, as they're creeping up on us too. Yeah. So uh, Christmas Eve, we're going to be closing a little bit early at six o'clock. Um, New Year's Eve, um, we'll be carrying through at eleven o'clock. Yeah. Um, but for the rest of the season, Monday through Thursday, we close down at 11, Friday and Saturday at uh, 10 or at midnight. Sorry. Place to be around here, US 31 South. It's in Franklin. It is right in front of the Meyer right here, Buffalo Wild Wings. And when you come here, ask for Michael. Give some love to those that are on staff right now, too, that are working hard yeah, absolutely. for you Absolutely. I've well. got Jess behind the bar. And then uh, let me see. I've got Logan as my closer. Ariel. Let me see who else I have breaking around here. I'm sorry, I put you on the spot. Now you're going to forget somebody. Yeah, no, I've, I've forgotten everybody. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Well, no, hey, I, thanks for having us. This oh, is a great time. And uh, we're going to hang around a little bit. I'm going to try that Bloody Mary Sounds fix good. and see what I can do. Sounds thanks, good. Michael. That's Michael. Ask for Michael, the general manager of this Buffalo Wild Wings down in Franklin. When you come in, if not today, certainly another time. If you're off, obviously, with your kids, you're looking for a lunch or a dinner, ask for Michael when you come to this Buffalo Wild Wings here in Franklin. Blue Monday continues. I've got to give away that autographed helmet and the Monday night tickets as well. And we'll see if that Bloody Mary mix will work for me coming up here at the top of the hour. Colts Roundtable Live will come at you as well. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Bullish friends hanging and banging with you until the 8 o'clock hour. Coming up, we have artists such as Living Color and the Fine Young Cannibals right now. Here's Roxette, The Look, 89.9 WROL. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You know what? I would rather have 88 JMV's voice over this one right now, to be honest with you. What are you playing right there, Kyle? This is Yacht Rock Review. Oh, that's one of their originals right there. No wonder I didn't original. know it. Yeah, we all forget that Yacht Rock Review has originals because whenever they play it, we all go into the can and take a leak. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. I know it sounds terrible, but that's very true. When they go to the Yacht Rock Review Originals, we all go to the can and take a leak. It's the way that it is. It's like any other band. Any other band, if they're not playing their classics and they're playing some of their newest music, normally you're going to the bathroom. Hey, Yacht Rock Review, by the way, that is coming up on New Year's Eve. It is going to be a great show. Let's ring in 2023 with number nine, and you can have tickets to go. Yacht Rock Review, New Year's Eve, Mirao National Center, where tickets are on sale right now.
Check it out. It is going to be a blast. But number nine is going to go on me. Thank you, Jimi Hendrix and Live Nation Yacht Rock Review tickets for you right now. Quick shout out, too, to my friend Christian down at the Brown County Music Center. I was unable to go on Saturday night, but I wanted to go see Mickey Thomas and Starship. I heard nothing but rave reviews regarding Mickey Thomas and Starship uh, down at the Brown County Music Center in Nashville, and Christian and the gang down there put on a fantastic show. That is a great product, a fantastic venue. Check it out for the show of your choice when you get a minute, maybe even make it a weekend if it is on the weekend down there. I promise you a blast. Meantime, 239-1070 is the number. Let's get JJ on the show here. JJ, welcome to the show. Hey, JMV, my man. I am in the same boat with you. I'm just getting my voice back. Hot tea and honey. You might put some honey in that spicy uh, <laughs> Bloody Mary, but hot yeah, tea and honey. You, you, don't think, you don't think that the spicy Bloody Mary is going to get my voice back? It'll make you forget about your voice for a minute. Might as well give it a shot. Hey, go ahead. I think the tall pint might do it, too, though. <laughs> I sound like somebody. I felt like somebody's fastball hit me in the throat back before the days when catchers didn't wear those throat guards. <laughs> I, well, I was thinking you sound like a catcher that didn't have his cup ready. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, JJ, I appreciate you, man. Have a great night. Hey, I was going to say something to the quarterback thing. I don't know yeah, if you got a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. The quarterback thing, uh, yeah, if they're going to draft, go ahead and draft the quarterback that you know is going to be the future. And go ahead and, uh, you know, you're going to have to take a chance here with Ellinger. Or, and secondly, and lastly, I know you need to go, they should have probably brought – Saturday in the shadow as an OC before head coach. But I appreciate you, man. Get well. Get well soon. JJ, thank you very much. Yeah, they should have uh, not done in the fashion in which they've done it. If you're Jim Mercedes, especially if you want the believability that this guy can coach, because in all likelihood, a lot of this crap all over is going to happen anyway. And you didn't, not, you didn't want that on the guy that you wanted, and now it is, and nobody is going to buy it. Nobody. Thank you, Buffalo Wild Wings and Franklin, Michael and the gang. Skyler Wood, it's great to see you, man. Great job, as always. Thank you to Zach. Thank you. Back at the studio to Kyle Udemark. That's where I'm going to be tomorrow. If you're in and around Franklin, Buffalo Wild Wings, let's play some trivia. You watch me drink a spicy Bloody Mary. Coach Roundtable Live is next. Shout out YouTube Livers. Thank you.